Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mike Puma, the longtime Mets beat writer for the New York Post, joins the show. Diamond Diehards is on. Joe Rizzo here bringing you baseball along with the dog, Jeff Healy. We welcome back for the third time our longtime pal, the great Mets beat writer for the New York Post, Mike Puma. Pooh, welcome back. It's good to be back. Is this the third time? I feel like it's only the second time. No, there was one very, very early, very in the early, early days of the show. And then uh, that was in 2020. And then in 2021 was the second time. Um, And then we skipped last year because we screwed up. And yeah. uh, so now you're back, 2023. Okay. Well, it's good to be yeah. back. So here's the thing that everybody needs to do uh, straight off. Follow Mike on Twitter at NYPost underscore Mets. It doesn't matter if you're a Met fan, a Yankee fan, a baseball fan, or, or none of the above. He's a great follow anyway. Uh, follow the dog at Jeff Healy 8. That's the number 8. And you can follow me at Diamond Diehards on all social media. And if you haven't subscribed to the show on whatever it is that you're that you're watching or listening on, if it's uh, YouTube, Rumble, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, whatever, we need you to follow there and check it out and spread the word. Um, okay, we're gonna sell some books, uh, and we before we sell some books, we're gonna tell you about the Mescola Group Realtors. Take care of all your needs. In the northern and Pascac Valleys and all of northern New Jersey with the Mascolo Group, go to GaryMascolo.com or call 201-615-3665. As for all of our supporters on the show, if you don't catch it right here and you don't feel like playing that back, just go to the description. No matter where you are, all of our information on our sponsors is there. Let's sell some books. If these walls could talk New York Mets stories from the New York Mets dugout locker room and press box by the great Mike Puma. It's been out for about uh, a year. Almost the dog read it, Mike. uh, I got to admit, I did not read the book. However, I listened to it because I'm an audio book guy. So you listened to it. I did. You're ahead of me on that count because, uh, I, I keep meaning to, you know, they sent me a, a copy of the audio version and I keep meaning to do it. And yeah, how 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 did it sound on audio? I loved it. I really loved it. I, I thought you did a great job. I could, uh, even though it's not you as the um, the auditor. Yeah. It, it, I felt your voice in there. Um, okay. And I think that's a testament to the way it was written and, and your writing style. Um, it's different. You know, this is not, this is not like a compilation of your newspaper articles, like the way that you, the way that you did it and you framed the stories and you gave background and you, you made it funny. You threw in, you know, some of the four letter words here and there, not gratuitously, but like where it mattered, like all that stuff. It, it, it was just so well put together. I really enjoyed it. I didn't want to make your head big before this moment. I, I wanted to 
to get it, uh, you know, on the air for you. But uh, you know, dog, dog could maybe dog will take you down a a a, a couple of ladders here, but uh, probably not. Dog did actually read it. He was he had it sitting on his dresser for a year and a half or whatever since he since he read it a year. And of course, like we're getting ready for the show prep, he's like, I can't find the damn thing. If, if yeah. I can remember half it. You know who else didn't read the book uh, that I gave a copy to it was Jacob Degrom, and I really I, I, I would I would give him hell at various points throughout the season because he would, you know, now last year he would come and go because he was injured and you know and what what have you making rehab starts and you know every several weeks when he would pop up I would say Did you read the book yet Did you read the book yet and, oh, No 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 <laughs> at least he's honest yeah now so you know. <laughs> Now, now he's now he's down at I'm gonna have to wait until uh, I guess the Rangers come to City Field in August to ask him again if he read the book. Hey, maybe he needs maybe he if he's an audiobook guy, I mean, you know. Could be. A lot of could, flights. A lot of flights, a lot of time. A lot of to, flights. So I like the audiobooks because I can, you know, I could walk or I could run, I could hike, and but a lot of driving. A lot of driving. As a as a hockey dad, that helps the audio books. Uh, I can get. I am not a. Re- I have the Fordham degree, but I am not a well-read guy in terms of like opening up <laughs> books. I did make it this far in life, but uh, not because of that. And now I have discovered because of this show, we started to get more and more authors on, and I'm like, I got to find a way. Like I, I'm not having somebody on who wrote a book and talking about a book that I didn't read. I simply won't do that. Like, um, that's, that's, you know, yeah, it's I'm, tough. I'm, yeah. yeah. Well, it's just, I'm, I'm kind of principled that way. I'm like, you know, if you're willing yeah. to help me out to come on, like I'm, you know, I don't even need Don't even give me a free copy. I'm going to pay. I'm going to contribute. And, you know, uh, uh, we're, we're going to have fun with it. But um, the audio book has that, like, I've become, I've become a big fan. So I can recommend it from an audio standpoint and dog i guess you could recommend it from a a traditional book standpoint as well absolutely absolutely yeah it's i mean it's great uh and i think sort of part of fun is like when you know the story when you when you know like the the bones of the story right and then kind of putting the the flesh and the and the coloring out and stuff and and giving some more of the background and stuff um that was a uh, that was a ton of fun that was that was the biggest answer i got out of the book yeah you know i think all that stuff I think that was the strength of the book, kind of reporting some of the behind the scenes stuff that maybe fans didn't know. You know, now I mean, obviously everybody knows they went to the World Series in 2015, but you know, to get some of the behind the scenes stuff and what went into the thinking in certain situations, and then you, you, you know, there's some stories in there that uh, you know never got told before, like uh, you know, wheel, Wheeler, the Wheeler one, yeah. But say that is a great chapter. I don't know all that. That that was, you know. <laughs> That 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 was fun. That was just that was just so mental. I mean, I, that's one of the things. Once again, I'm like, that's just the authenticity right there. I'm like, you totally see that coming from that organization. <laughs> Unfortunately, Unfortunately. From back then, yeah, it's a different, yeah, it's different, different, different realm now. Yeah, different day now. Night, but... night and day now. So, yeah. I, uh... I, 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 uh, I, I wonder. Have you have you taken any weight loss advice from many players lately, Mike? Have I? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could probably I could probably use some, <laughs> but no, 
<laughs> but that was what I forget was, who it was. Somebody wanted oh, you to yeah, drink that tea, was breaking right? your chops on it. Yeah, I, I, I know what you're referring to there. There's actually, uh, Frank Francisco. That's who it was. That Frank was Francisco. Frankie, that Frankie Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, he was the reliever with the Mets. They had him for two seasons, and we were down here in Port St. Lucie at spring training, and he's <laughs> telling me about this herbal tea that he. <laughs> use that uh, worked wonders for him and it was great and I'm, I'm listening I'm like okay maybe you know maybe I'll give it a shot and, you know and so this I'm trying to think what you're this had to be 2013 his second season with the team and so uh I think it was before the spring training even ended you know he, he went on the injured list he didn't re-emerge re until uh uh, I think September, maybe September. We were in Cleveland, yeah. and I think it was September. They were just playing out the string, and boom, there's Frank Francisco again. I haven't seen this guy in six months since we broke camp uh, in spring training, and uh, I see him in the clubhouse. He, first words, he looks at me and says, "You haven't improved." <laughs> I gotta say, as a Met fan, oh, we could come, we gotta say the name here, Frankie. <laughs> and uh, you know, if I had if I had been fast thinking enough, I would have said, "Well, neither of you." <laughs> <laughs> I think I dog. I can't remember, but I think our pal Jeff Fry has told stories about Frank Francisco and being a character, like that he he grew some kind of crazy hot peppers in his garden and he was giving them out to everybody. I don't know. I, I, I sort of remember that. And I, cause I, I, when I was reading it in the book, I was like, Oh, Frank Francisco, maybe we, maybe we got to have this guy on at some point, like to talk about his. Uh... Yeah. He's, he was a little bit of a character. Oh boy. Um, that's the kind of stuff in the book that I really loved. I, I, I thought you framed a lot of that stuff. Well, I really, uh, I, I liked the, so much of the early stuff too um like from from when you jumped on there give everybody if they so if they if they haven't read it you know give them the the little elevator pitch of of why a met fan or even like i'm not a met fan i loved the book i loved it i was telling my wife i'm like you got it you got to steal this from me because this is like all your guys al lighter mike piazza um all that stuff so give, give everybody the little... you know i get i started covering baseball my first year covering baseball and i was working up in connecticut at the time it was 1998 and uh valentine was managing the mets and um that was a big reason we started uh you know i was at the connecticut post in bridgeport and uh, we started covering the mets was because valentine was the local guy from stanford, stanford and, yep uh, <coughs> the team had shown some glimpses the previous year that they were getting better so 98 is really the first year uh, I started covering baseball. And, and that was just such a great time to begin a baseball writing career because the, you know, the Mets are on the rise. They trade, you know, for Piazza in May, um, you know, and I, I was going back and forth between the Mets and Yankees that year. I'd go to Yankee Stadium when they were home, the Shea when the Mets were home. And, uh, you know, the Yankees obviously had the historic team that year in one uh, – you know, 125 games and uh, cruise through the world. But, you know, the, the fun team was the Mets because here they were on the rise and you had Valentine over there and he and Steve Phillips are sniping at each other before long. And um, they got Piazza, which which kind of legitimized them. And uh, it was a good time. And for my money, you know, and I, th I think most Mets fans will agree with this, the best the best team of that era was probably the 99 team 
that uh, fell short of the World Series that, you know, they, they lost in that uh, epic series against the Braves and the NLCS. And then 2000 came along and they kind of, you know, you look at the players on that team and it's like, oh, you know, <laughs> how, how did they, they do it? How did they do it with Benny Agbayani? And, you know, he really, he, that really was just, that was probably the, to me, sort of, I'll say the pinnacle of, I, I'm spoiled by it, but like the pinnacle of Valentine's managing stuff. How he matches to you together with that with that team, and just how they all overachieved was really, uh, really remarkable to me. Yeah, and you know Valentine. So I mean, I got I got to know Valentine. Uh, he, he kind of took a special interest in me in those early years, where you know normally a, a new guy coming in, maybe especially that's not on the beat, they don't. You know, the manager's not going to give much attention to, but the fact I was the local guy from Connecticut and uh, we could uh, BS a little bit and I would pop into his restaurant from time to time when he was there. And we could, so that that got me started on the right track with him. And uh, and he was he was great when I was doing this book. He, he gave me some some time and um, little did I know. <laughs> I, I I think he held back his, his best stuff because at the time he was writing his own book. Uh, <laughs> oh, I know that. <laughs> which came out a, a little later, Valentine's Way, which was also very good. But uh, there was some stuff that I had touched on when I was interviewing him for my book that he didn't want to go too deeply into. Uh, <laughs> and I know why. <laughs> and now I know why. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that part. Like, I, I specifically love the part where you're, you're talking about, like, reverse platoons right and and mm, yeah. he's he's just so far ahead of his time like it's stuff dog and i were we're kind of like we're dog and i are not from the geek central here like like we don't believe in these launch angle things or anything like that like we're kind of of the old school you know man old man yells a cloud like this is ruining the game um but when it came to stuff like that we found i think from our stratomatic days that those there were some metrics that could be very useful and like bobby v when you looked at it he was playing those reverse platoons and people were like what are you doing and yeah. uh, you know mel rojas and dog and yeah. i were like yeah that's a great move like why would you of course <laughs> bring in mel rojas to face like nine lefties you know yeah. um it, it was it was good stuff there that that i think highlighted bobby v in um in in a, in a good way as like a, a really incredible baseball man athlete um i don't know if you got the part in there about he had the greatest performance of any high school football player ever did you know this do you know that he he scored six ways he scored a touchdown six different ways in a high school game in the same game in the same yeah. game yeah and i don't think he played in like the second half or so it's insane. Like I, I heard him talk about it on on Mad Dog one day. You can run. You can catch a pass. You can return a punt. You can return a kick. You can score on defense. That's five. Maybe I think a fumble, on, fumble, fumble and interception. Maybe? Yeah, I think it was the safety thing was thrown in too, something like that. I do remember hearing that story way back when. Yeah, I was, it, I was yeah, a Stanford guy for a while, so yeah, you heard all the Bobby V stories. Yeah, and uh, he's just a remarkable guy. Uh, so he's he's, he's really. Uh, yeah. Lived kind of a fascinating life with all he's done, yeah. and going over to Japan and winning over there, and then uh, you know coming back here and doing doing all the TV he's done in his restaurants, and he was uh, athletic director at Sacred Heart University for about eight nine years. He gave that up to run for mayor of Stanford and lost yep. it close lost it 
close election uh, to be mayor of Stanford, and now he's out uh, uh, relocated to the West Coast. He's doing some TV uh, pregame, postgame with the Angels. Oh, that's right. So I, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he actually moved uh, last year. He moved out there full time uh, to Southern California. What did he tell me? He he, he drove his Tesla cross country, and uh, <laughs> I guess it can be done. <laughs> I guess it can be done. And uh, yeah, and actually, that's see. funny because that that I do know from buddies that have it. Like it, it will plot like the whole way for you, and that must have been hilarious because that thing must have said this will take you like. <laughs> 15 days or something. <laughs> Dude, you got to drive to here, wait, get a charge. Oh, man. Well, you don't have to drive all of it yourself. Well, yeah. You could let it just go. Just let it go. Yeah. Ish. <laughs> hey, hey, Tesla, take me to Chavez Ravine. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm going to take a nap. No, um, taking you to the ravine. <laughs> I hope not. Wait a minute. <laughs> Um, let, okay. So that, that's, that's kind of the early part of the book. And then, and then you walk your way through, um, you know, some of the, some of the leaner years, the ups and downs, and then you get, you know, back to the world series. Then you have that, you know, post world series redux stuff. And, uh, and a lot of David, Wright. Like if you're a if you like David, Wright, man, this is your book. This is your book. Cause you found out stuff about him. That uh, that that you didn't see anywhere else before, I I I think, um, and uh, another guy who you painted uh, a very good picture of. And uh, we saw we, David Wright was down there spring training. Uh, he spent a couple of days down here. He's kind of in and out. I think I think Buck Showalter would have liked to have him more down here to to work <laughs> with the the young third baseman. But he had a lot of promotional stuff he was doing, marketing stuff. And, you know, that's the thing now. He's, he's very busy in his own life now. It's, you know, a lot of guys uh, will retire and they're looking to get back as much as they can, you know, be at spring training or do whatever. And, and David Wright really doesn't have time for a lot of it. You know, he's got three young kids. He's coaching uh, his kids. Um, and, he you know, he still does some uh, promotional work for the Mets. So, he, he didn't, he didn't come to old-timers day last year. I know he caught a lot of guff from the fans about that, uh, but he, he felt like he wasn't an old-timer yet. So, and he just, I, he think just, was, I think that was kind of cool, too, actually, I, I think, because they kind of kind of let uh, let some of the older guys maybe share yeah, a little bit of the spotlight. Was, He'll have plenty of times. Yeah. It was, and it was a great event, even without Wright. But, yeah, there will be plenty of uh, events down the road for David Wright. And they'll, they'll eventually – Put his number up there uh, with the other retired numbers. Yeah. What was your favorite part about about writing the book? I mean, it doesn't have to be a uh, story. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to yeah, be something I think that you just, wrote. No, I think it was just reconnecting with some of these guys I had covered over the years, you know. Uh, like I hadn't talked to R.A. Dickey in a long time and, uh, um, you know, get him on the phone and uh, kind of recount his Cy Young season with the Mets in 2012 and just, you know, what's going on with him living down in, a, in Nashville on a farm with his kids are going off to college now and everything. And, um, you know, talking to the guy, or, you know, Billy Wagner was very helpful with the book and Jeff Francoeur and just a, a lot of guys that you 
you forge relationships with over the years and maybe you'd lost some touch with and, and to get them to kind of help out recount their memories uh that that was probably the best part of it the uh the audiobook reader did um have a fun time uh with all re- with his billy wagner voice <laughs> he did the whole billy wagner voice and and he really like threw in he, he had a very accentuated like uh accent more more brooklyn than than queens i would say and uh, a lot of over enunciation it was uh hmm. it was you you should definitely go back and and i'm gonna to have to it. listen to it it's not that long it's uh, audiobook wise i think it's six seven hours or something like that you could okay. you could you could knock that out in a couple of flights, please. Oh, sure. <laughs> you know, I, I want to take a little aside thing. I we're just we're not doing this live as as we often do. And and the World Baseball Classic is on the final between USA and Japan, just to give you a little uh time frame as we're doing this. Um, you know, forget about the fact that you're you're watching it on demand or listening to it on demand. I just saw something come come over Twitter that we're all Fordham guys. We're talking about baseball tonight. And uh, Fordham Baseball, I just saw a tweet. We are deeply saddened to hear of the passing of Fordham superfan Fred Negron today, a 2006 Block F Awards honorary letter winner. He was a staple at all Fordham events, but had a strong bond with us, RIP Fred. So uh, condolences to Fred, uh, Fred's family. That's a, a, a Fordham superfan there. And, and you guys, if when you see the tweet, you'll see the face and you'll know exactly uh, you know, if you, you now you have a name to the face, but uh, Fred Negron, so we're, our our condolences deeply go out to uh, to him and his family. A little sad note here as uh, as we move along. Um, back to the other stuff, maybe. Uh, let's we tried to sell you some books, Mike. Now we're going to try to sell you some uh, some newspapers. And before we do that, yeah. we're going to tell you about FMS Graphics, which is a family-owned, family-run business for the last 50-plus years. Fordham-owned, by the way. Take care of all your printing and promotional needs at fmsgraphics.com. fmsgraphics.com for all your printing and promotional needs. Okay, so you're on the beat. Dog and I were just talking about this before you joined us. And you being with the Post in New York for such a long time is a great accomplishment. But as part of that family, the post is one of the rare outlets that could be counted on to actually have beat writers that a know what they're doing, you know, and B have been around and can really cover the team and not just hand you stuff on a, on a plate, you know, give you whatever the team really wants you to hear. Um, Mike, your role is 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 different now. It's it's kind of more important. You're, you know, you're still young, but you're part of this old guard in terms of mentality and the way you cover it. You understand how to how to get a story. You understand when you know somebody's bullshitting you to your face, and you got to go around there, you know, behind them and talk to three or four other people to get an actual story. Um, and that's the stuff that that you're doing so well for the post now. That, that's that that's why you're a must read, frankly. Well, this is season 14, so I feel like I've probably seen, you know, just about everything at this point, but I'm sure I'm sure I haven't. But <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, and it's 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 a changing media landscape, you know, so much now there's uh you know, there's so many fan blogs out there and, and there's so much digital and you know, a lot of the posts now is digital with the website and we, we you know, we still sell a lot of newspapers, but uh it's it's definitely different than um you know, what I got into uh 30 years ago when I started writing for a newspaper. You still, is that a challenge? Kind of, kind of managing all the different, uh, all the different media channels and stuff like that, and how you kind of, you know, you're used to kind of writing the the article and you sort of design the story in that way, and then also it's like, okay, now you got to do, you know, five blasts out on, yeah, on, on, on Twitter know, or something. There's more work than before. <laughs> you know, we have a a, a a premium site on the post that uh, I don't I don't know what it is five six dollars a month that, that that people pay for, and we have to have content for that so that adds to your plate and and there's there's more there's some video stuff we have to do now and uh it, it it's a lot there's a, there's yeah. a lot of different bases you have to cover but you is know it, it's is, still is it, is it kind of, yeah is, is it kind of good to like occasionally get something like where you maybe have maybe have like a shorter story that you know wouldn't necessarily be enough to be a, a full article or something like that and now you can kind of do something that's more like blog posty or something like that or is it again kind of more like yeah, it's still kind of aiming toward the newsy stuff and and you know you, there's more of a uh more of a time element to get stuff up on the web as soon as it happens or maybe you just write a few paragraphs just to get it up you know the the, the bare bones and then you circle back and do more reporting to get the the full story up there um and you know Fans are lucky. People that read the post website are lucky. We're, we're not, I, if we're not the last um, the newspaper website that's uh, the majority of it's free, we're among the, you know, we're among the few in the country that uh, still put it out there for free on the web. And I don't, you know, I don't know how how much longer that's going to go. If, if there'll be a day where uh, stuff is behind the paywall, but you look at. Uh, you know the majority of uh, newspapers out there with websites, and you have to pay for it. And with the posts, you still get it uh, just by logging on nypost.com. And we, yeah, we it, appreciate it. it it's uh, well another thing that makes you a must read. Um, but <laughs> exactly, uh, yeah. <laughs> you can't but, beat the price. <laughs> yeah, you can't beat the price. But it's still, and there's still that that uh, that other old guard that you know goes out and and uh, gets the actual paper every day as well too um i wonder if if you have people that 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 see and recognize you from that you know picture that's next to your name <laughs> from from uh you know I, I remember one of the things that my newspaper writer friends always did was they always managed to not hand in a new picture for the paper yeah <laughs> <laughs> You see, you see, so, yeah, even now, I still see some of them that have been, you know, looks like they're 20, 25 years old with some of these <laughs> pictures. But, you know, you know what? I think I recognize probably the most because of uh, the Twitter presence, you know, just uh, you, uh, even just yesterday, I, I was at the ballpark and some fans were yelling uh, my name. It was like, you know, Puma, let's go Mets. And then <laughs> the guy, then the guy added at the end, and let's go Fordham too. Oh, there you go. Oh, so, so he's all in. <laughs> yeah. So 
It, it's clear to get that, that from Twitter because I've uh, I was posting yeah, been, a lot of I was posting a lot of Fordham stuff. But... You were cranking, and uh, it was great seeing Chris again too. What the what you calling? Uh, it was Chris Carino. So, yeah. yeah. So who's uh, who's my sort of counterpart for the most part? I'm on one on one as we sort of put that. For some reason, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you guys did a lot. Imagine of trying to class it up with Carino and me. <laughs> you wouldn't put me and Riz together. <laughs> That's because Carino let you talk. <laughs> I still and it's it still worked, worked out better for him. <laughs> yeah, I still suckered you back thirty years later to sit there and say nothing for for an hour every 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 week. Um, you know, it, so you and uh, Chris Carino were the WFUV broadcast team the last time Fordham made it to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. But I was lucky enough to be behind the mic when the Rams won the first ever Patriot league tournament on a buzzer beater the year before. That was and, the year before that was at a uh, Holy cross, right? Yeah, it was. And Barry Brooks was, uh, was my color man that day. And, okay. and in grand fashion, as soon as uh, Jean Prelo hit the buzzer beating three pointer at the end of overtime, the first thing I did was I took my right arm and I threw it out and I, and I covered Barry's mouth so he would shut up so I could make my call. <laughs> That's a good move. <laughs> that was a good move. Hey, I made I made ESPN plays of the week, which back then was like a huge deal. It wasn't deal. there was no nightly thing. It was plays of the week. It was me and Daryl Strawberry uh checking himself into Smithers <laughs> that week. Wow. From from the Dodgers, yeah, we was, it, that's that's when that was, and I got uh, I was on FAN. They were putting, and of course, I was in Massachusetts, so I couldn't see or hear any of it, yeah. and uh, I had to have my friend in Florida tape it because nobody had a video, t- nobody had a VCR to tape it for me. Uh, I don't want to say what else what what he taped over, but I'm glad he did. Um, <laughs> I went Ted. Uh, there was that's a good videotape. Still, uh, there's other stuff on it that's interesting. Uh, anyway, more on that later. Um, so you still have the verve, you still have the vigor. Uh, you you look forward to to this season, and um, like the players, Mike, you're down in in spring training, but you kind of don't get the benefit of like you know getting yourself into regular season shape like you got to go down there and cover stuff like you know at full speed like you always do right yeah and you know you're not writing about the games down here so that'll that'll be the uh, uh, the real adjustment will come next week when uh, opening day comes and you're writing on deadline again and and writing the, the you know writing about the games but uh you know down here the biggest challenge after a while now we're getting toward the end of camp it's just finding new stuff to write about because you're at the point of camp where you've, it seems like you've written about uh, just about everybody, everything. And, you know, the thing that that's kind of the, uh, thrown some newness into it is they got a couple of big, uh, well, certainly one big injury with Edwin Diaz going down for the season. So now that kind of changes the storylines a little bit now and you start writing about, you know, what's going to happen with the bullpen and such. Um, you know, Brandon Nimmo got hurt the other night, but that, that's, that's not nearly as, as big. It looked at the time, like it might be a big thing, but it's not. Um, but yeah, you get down to the end of camp here and you're, you're kind of scraping for new territory to cover because it has been, 
you know, what are we at at this point? Over over, you know, thirty five days or whatever. So it's we're at the point. Let's let's get on with it. You know. And as we uh, transition to talk about the Mets' 2023 outlook without Edwin Diaz, we remind you that, Edwin, it might be a good idea for you to go to Gatto Acupuncture and Wellness in Glen Rock, New Jersey. Uh, that's the place for uh, for you to manage your holistic health. Book online at GattoAcu.com, G-A-T-T-O-A-C-U.com, or 551 551- Two one two three eight four five on the phone. Doctor Melissa will take care of you. Um, Edwin, maybe may, you know, maybe maybe you go to Doctor Melissa. You know, you get back for the playoffs. Who, who knows? That's a good, that's a good way to do it. Um, that does change things for the Mets. Um, the I, I felt with with all of their talent, um, you know, they have such a deep lineup. You know, you could argue that. You know, Lindor is their most important player. You could argue Alonso is their most important player. There's a, you know, could argue maybe Nimmo because he gets things started and keeps them fired up. I think Diaz is kind of the, to me, he's like the glue that brings it all together, which is, you know, he he's like, he reminds me as a piece of this team, the way Mariano was to the Yankees. Now I'm not saying he's, you know, Mariano Rivera, even though his stats were Rivera like um, last season, and they have been at, at a lot of points in his career, but just his personality and the Timmy trumpet and all this other stuff. It's like you, you, you're, you're thinking about Edwin Diaz in the fifth inning when you're up to one. You're like, can we get to Diaz? 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 Because then it's over, right? Um, and now, like, it's just, it's just gone. Um, am I overrating his presence? Um, no, as, I, I think I think that's a pretty good analogy you made with Rivera, and not necessarily on the results. Although you look at the year Diaz had last year, and that was a, you know, that was up there with any year Mariano ever had, but uh it's it's the presence and you know thinking about it like okay this is uh this is an eight inning game now well because they have edwin diaz down there and he's going to come in and he's going to strike everybody out um and now it's like all right how, how do you piece this thing together you know david robertson's done it before Adavino, adam Adavino's done it before it's not the same thing though as having that that stud at the end you know it's it, it's it's like going from a Lamborghini to, I don't know. I'm not good with cars, so a Corolla. Nice <laughs> stable, nice stable, steady Corolla. You know, <laughs> probably get you there. <laughs> but uh, you know, does it mean the Mets can't win this year? No, it doesn't mean that. You know, you, you have another. If Robertson steps up and is a reliable closer, the, the key is going to be finding that depth behind him, like, you know, who, who becomes David Robertson now that David Robertson's got to, got to move into Edwin Diaz's role, that, that kind of thing there. And I, right now there's, there's some legitimate concern whether they have those pieces they're, they're going to have to try and find them. You know, that was one of the good things that I thought the Mets had kind of done in the offseason. They sort of recognized that one of the holes last year was kind of like that, that depth in the pen and that, that, you know, how you get from fifth, sixth to the seventh. Before you kind of got to the more lockdown guys in the eighth, yeah, and, and, it was, it and was pretty, they're kind of back where they are, unfortunately. Yeah. Right, because uh, you know <laughs> Seth Lugo, who had been pretty good for them for a few years, 
left, went to San Diego, decided uh, he wanted to take a shot at starting, which is something he had talked about for a while. So they, you know, it was big that they brought back out of Vino and, and, and getting Robertson out right now looks huge because if, if yeah. you don't make that move, you're, you're really, uh, you know, you're really up the Creek there a little bit. Yeah. So I guess there's uh, always the, the trade market too, right? Yeah, but you know, as you know, we we're not going to see trades in April and May. It's, it's going to be, you know, June, July, right up to the deadline. That's when those guys become available and teams that and there's fewer and few. You know, with, with the extra wild card now, there's fewer and fewer teams that are out of it. You know, everybody kind of thinks they're in it. Yeah. So, um, but it's. If you look at what was available last year at the trade deadline, you know, the Met, you know, David Robertson was available last year. The Phillies went out and got him. You know, the Mets didn't think they had the trade pieces to get David Robertson. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's a case of hold it together for a few months here, and, and then if you have to go out and get somebody in July, you do it. But. Uh, I think it'd be very difficult right now to say in the, I know my colleague, John Heyman wrote today that they should go out and trade for uh, Diaz. Yeah. Yeah. With with Cincinnati. It's, it's hard to make. It's a good story. (laughs) Um, What do you think about people have been sort of muttering about uh, with Mets, older, uh, older uh, starting pitchers and stuff. A lot of depth in the rotation. And some people have sort of muttered even before the Diaz injury, you know, maybe going with like a six man rotation, kind of take it down for a little bit and maybe they can extend. I mean, now you sort of put the wrinkle, maybe they get that extra inning. It's yeah. a little bit less often. Is that something that Buck you think would be open to? Yeah, I don't think they want to go six man full time because there's so many off days in there that you get to the point where guys aren't pitching for a week. If you, if you go to a, a six man and then you have a day off, but I think they're going to, they're going to sprinkle uh, guys in throughout the course of the season when as needed. And they're even looking at it to begin the season now because they have a stretch of uh, eight straight games scheduled to start the year. And, you know, maybe, maybe you put in the extra starter to get Scherzer some extra rest right off the bat, you know? Um, but it, it, it's tough to do it on a full-time basis. So I think you, I think what their plan is are going to pick their spots a little bit. And they're okay. fortunate that they have, uh, two guys that they like in David Peterson and Tyler McGill. Um, you know, now, uh, one of them's going to be in that rotation with, uh, with Quintana out at least till July. And so you have the other one who's going to be needed, uh, kind of as that six guy from time to time. Do you think uh, one is uh, the leg up on the other in terms of who's going to be the fifth starter? Yeah, it's tough to say. Right, now. I think I think they view McGill as the higher upside guy, mm-hmm. but um, you know Peterson's had the better spring right now. He still hasn't given up an earned run, and he was he was very steady last year. So you know, if you had asked two weeks ago, I really thought McGill maybe had a a, a leg up because uh, because of his upside, but. Uh, his velocity hasn't been quite there. And, you know, he's also a guy they could look at in the bullpen. You know, even though he didn't exactly thrive in that role when he came back last year, he was coming back from an injury at that point. But, um, you know, Peterson's having the better spring. So I, I think right now he might have the edge. Yeah. It'd be good, it'd be good to get the lefty in the rotation. I mean, that was the nice thing about getting yeah, Quintana. That, that, 
that'd be a nice thing. And they had that with Quintana. Now, last year they were prepared to go uh, without a lefty, and then they had some injuries, and Peterson ended up making 19 starts. So, um, but I, I, you know, they can move those guys back and forth interchangeable as needed, I guess. And, you know, the nice thing is they, uh, from the Mets' perspective, is they both have options, so you can uh, bring them back and forth from Syracuse. Uh, you know, if if they if they were out of options, it would really uh, create a bind for them. Do they want to use McGill in the bullpen at all? He seems like he may have stuff that kind of plays for there. You know, I, before Diaz got hurt, I don't think they were thinking in those terms. Yeah. But now it's like, all right. And I, I don't think they want to go there right away. I think they kind of want to see what they have here. Yeah. And it, it could be one of those things as needed because now, you know, now if you move McGill to the bullpen, it's like, all right, somebody gets hurt. Who's next up in that starting? Is it yeah. Joe Lucchese? Is it uh, Eliza Hernandez? It's like uh, there's kind of a fall off there once you get beyond – Peterson and McGill with the rotation depth and uh, with Quintana out, it, it it really makes it harder to to put McGill in the bullpen. It's nice we talk about our our lack of depth in our seventh and eighth starters now. <laughs> I used to be more like three. Let's hope to string this together here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Luke gets run once in a while. Uh, how about the uh, should we? How about the third base? So that was that was sort of the topic yeah. for you guys, and it's uh, definitely uh, definitely timely. That's very interesting right now. And um, Escobar's hand they like the like the the classy vet that he is. Well, he's a pro, and right. and they love him in the clubhouse. And he's yeah. a guy who, you know, he's a guy that uh, players rally around. They like him a lot, and he understands how it works. Um, now, I mean, Beatty's had a really good spring. And, you know, this could really come down to is, um, are the Mets, is Billy Epfler willing to move on from Darren Ruff at this point? Because that's that's kind of what creates the spot for Brett Beatty is you move on from Darren Ruff, uh, Escobar becomes your right-handed DH, uh, guy who can play a couple of different positions around the infield and Beatty becomes your third baseman. But if, if Darren Ruff is here, um, it becomes more difficult to make that move. So uh, it's going to be interesting here these last few days to see what happens. The fans will definitely flip out if, uh, if Ruff is there, <laughs> if, if, if social media is any, uh, any indicator on that one. Yeah. So. And I, you know, he hasn't had a great spring. Um, and we, we saw what he did over that two months stretch last year after a trade. And the, the thing, if you're Billy Epler, I think that makes it hard to move on right away. The fact he gave up four players to the Giants to get Darren Ruff. And uh, which makes me think he may want to give him a shot here the first month or two of the season. And then if it doesn't work out, say, OK, see you later. But uh, Beatty has been impressive. Um, yeah, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of rookies hitting the cover. Well, and yeah, it feels like any of those are better picked than Ross. Mauricio, yeah. Mauricio, right? Yeah, Mauricio, Mauricio Vientos, Vientos. Yeah, Vientos I mean, uh, Alvarez has, the weird one is Alvarez hasn't hit at all in camp. He's in like yeah. 115, 
uh, strike him out a lot, but you know, the, the big that thing, probably that probably helps the Met organization overall, right? That's sort of, that sort of eases that he goes back to Syracuse and yeah, right, there's, works there's, up. There's no right, there's no clamor right now to add yeah. Alvarez. Let him go to Syracuse. Let him spend half the season there. Let him work on some things behind the plate, um, and then you know, ideally he, he's tearing it up at the All Star break, and if the Mets need that the bat behind the plate he can come up you know and then you know i i think ideally you would have Beatty and alvarez in the lineup for the second half of the season dog dog, <laughs> dog, 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 fan. <laughs> dog is salivating over that they could dig in that one hey listen i love escobar because on some random night in the middle of summer i was like oh the diamondbacks who's this lefty they got i'm like uh, let me let me see. I'm like, I'm going to bet Eduardo Escobar to get a hit. I'm going to bet him to get a double. I'm going to bet him to hit a home run, and I'm going to bet him to drive in two or more runs. It was the night that he hit for the cycle. I cleaned up. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I just had out of nowhere. I was like, I'm going to bet Escobar. I'm just going to keep stacking all this stuff. And he hit for that was the night that he hit for the cycle. So I'm good. Was, Whatever uh, he wants yeah. to do, I'm good. I'm good for that. I'm a, I'm a yeah. I want enough to buy an Escobar jersey that night, but I didn't because you know <laughs> I was it just gave me more money to lose the next day. That's all. <laughs> you're saving up. You're saving up for the Valentine Tesla. Yeah, that's it. I got a little ways to go to do that. <laughs> um, all right, as we look at the World Baseball Classic now for uh, one of our closing, you know, getting close to the end here, uh, we'll remind you that Big Ed's Car Wash is at seventeen sixteen. River Road in Fairlawn, New Jersey. So if you are in the Bergen or Passaic County areas, you need to go check out the size of Big Ed's Tunnel, 118 feet, clean and green. Make sure your vehicle is spotless for the spring or the summer, or if you're listening to this in the winter, and you know it's you could be listening to this five years from now, go to Big Ed's Car Wash, Fairlawn, New Jersey, and tell them Diamond Die Hards sent you. So World Baseball Classic, our, uh, are you a yes or a no guy, Mike Puma? Listen, the players love it. A lot of a, a significant portion of the fan base loves it. I think you have to keep doing it. Now, me personally, do I watch it? No. But I, I think there's um, there's a huge market for it, and I, I the players who participate. You talk to Francisco Lindor. Who came back yesterday? Uh, you talked to Pete Alonzo before he left. They believe a lot in the WBC. So now I think the key is trying to find something that works a little bit better than uh, logistically. Do I have the answer? I mean, my idea would be to uh, play every fourth year. I, I think they should scrap the All Star game. Let's stretch, uh, stretch the All Star breakout eight nine days. Play a condensed WBC, not a you know two three week version or whatever. Let's let's play it over eight nine days. Um, do it during the All Star break. The pitchers are stretched out, um, and I think that that works better. That I, I was just looking at a story on my phone uh, during one of the commercial breaks here. Rob Manford bemoaning the fact that enough of you know there's not enough of the top pitchers participating well that's not going to happen in spring training you're not going to get max scherzer 
ramping up very quickly to part participate in the WBC. But you do it at midseason and have a protracted all-star break, yeah, I think you'll get guys like Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander wanting to represent their country. No, To me, November doesn't work just because players have shut down at that point, and you're not going to, you know, you're not going to ask a pitcher who's gone out and thrown 200 innings to, you know, shut down for a couple of weeks and, uh, and rest and then start ramping up again. for the, I, I don't see how November works at all. So I, I think for my money, the way to do it is do it every four years, have a protracted all-star break and, and do the WBC. It's not a bad idea. You can't do it after yeah. the season. Like people have talked about do it after the season. You can't do it after the season. You, you'll you get, you have no prayer. The NFL is going to just kill any interest that you would have over here. And that, and now you've also had players that have gone through the entire season and they're just not, they're just going to be not into it. Like there's, and you're going to have guys that were shut down for the last month of the season for mileage and stuff. So I do agree. I I, I think the window is the all-star break. It, and if it's every four years, I guess that's, that's about as good as you could hope for. I just don't see how they could do it in eight or nine days. Like they'd have to shut down for, I think like two and a half weeks because you'd have to, you know, if you're including the Asian teams in there, you got to give them a little travel time and acclimation time. I think what you could also do is you could take maybe some of the other teams and you could have like qualifying <laughs> leading up to it. So you right. do possibly, maybe you could just get it down to the point where you have, uh, a, you know, everything's a, a best two out of three and yeah. you have eight teams play best two out of three. You can do that in a, in, in short order. So maybe you could do that and you just have the top eight determined beforehand. You know, if you win or you're ranked a certain whatever, you know, or, or the, some of the regulars are just always going to be there and the other ones are trying to play their way into those spots. So maybe maybe that's the way to do it. Um, I'm a yes on it. I have it on. You know, I've, I've I can't say I've watched every single game, but these games have been intense. I had so in my real job, I had one of my coworkers who I've never met in person. Um, yet, but that'll change in a few weeks in San Diego. He is in, he lives in Mexico city. He's from Mexico and he was, he's actually a fan of the show. So all I want. And he was watching this game and we were slacking back and forth about, about the game, the Japan Mexico game. And after Japan, like walked it off. I he dropped a couple of f bombs in the slack. I'm like, this is bad, but like, it sounds funny, but like that tells you how much it means. Like, if you're getting like that mad, that he's like, you know, he's like, I can't breathe. I'm so nervous. Blah, blah. I'm like, what more do you want from a sporting event? Yeah, and that's you know, that's the kind of emotions, and you know, uh, I I, th I think it's great for baseball around the world in this country it's 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 not a big deal i don't think in the united states but it's a big enough deal that uh you know it's it's, it's something that i think should go on how about the end of spring training we just push uh the end of back here yeah 
April, April's such a disaster. I maybe I'm a little spoiled by like the whole Northeast. Like you get some maybe blade rainouts and everything else like that. I'm like, you know what? If you if you did three weeks then and you started the season like the third week in April or something like that, kind of like man, with the delay with the strike anyway. I think that's no, good. Guys, guys are fairly stretched down. I mean, you kind of take your. Now you got to agree to play fewer than 162 games, and I don't, I don't see the players' association going for that. You know, the 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 owners will say, "All right, if we play fewer than 162 games, we're going to pay you for the number of games." You know that that's 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 where I think somebody, the, there's a big pot. I think they can make something work on there. Well, so. At least that way, like it would sort of like it, it, to me, it's almost like a finisher, and like it's yeah, you yeah, kind of I mean, roll in a little bit better. Like I, I'm a little nervous, like to shutting it down and then kind of restarting, and then like what's the spillover like for yeah other folks on it? Uh, yeah, everyone's want. I'm think I maybe can scratch off the WBC, just sprinkle it all around, and get the get it done. A lot of doldrums in April anyway, right? Yeah, so I figure like it's always it's always a little rough to get started. But, you know, just stay in, stay in Florida, watch them that they're they're peaking up, whatever. That uh, that'd be fine with me. I'd be down with that. And All I still right, like so we, it, even though Diaz somehow, well, whatever. Look, it's a, it's a, the, it's the, a, the demons it, got to us. It's a fluke. I mean, who's to yeah. say that it, it wouldn't have been anything at yeah, that point? Be opening if his, day. If his yeah. knee was, if his knee was ready to give, he could have been stepping down into the into the dugout. It, it could have happened. Well, and that that's you know yeah. right. That's the X factor we don't know is you know how far along. Uh, his tendon was at that point. Did you know? Was it did the celebration cause the entire injury, or was the knee, you know, already ready to go and it just needed a nudge, kind of, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a little nervous about that drive leg. I'm like, I'm crossing my fingers that it comes back okay for that. I mean, it seems like it's everything you see. It seems like it's a recoverable injury, and kind of once it's fixed, it's fixed. But. Boy, anything, anything with the the pitchers, yeah. pitchers drive uh, like makes me nervous. Yeah, and this is a you know this is an injury NBA players, NFL players have come back from, and uh, and listen, we know Diaz is going to have the best medical care, and uh, you know he may even he, he may even push to try and come back before the before the season's over. But uh, you know, from the Mets' perspective, I think right now you would just uh, sign up. For 2024, the first day of spring training, he's he's back and and ready to go. That's that, that's what you want right now. I mean, yep. behind the scenes, is there a world in which everything, every star aligns in every possible good way, and he somehow could be back for for at any point in the season? Well, yeah, this could be. You know, I I think the ultimate. Uh, best case is six months. So six months puts you in the middle of September, and then uh, you start building up to to pitch. And and maybe if you're still playing uh, October fifteenth, Edwin Diaz is uh, coming back. And and you know it's it's a matter at that point. Do you do you, do you want to trust the uh, post- forty forty three degrees? Yeah, <laughs> you want to trust the post. You know, do you want to? The guy who hasn't pitched all year, do you want his debut to be, uh, you know, game four of the uh, NLDS or something like that? You know, uh, I don't know. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, sixth inning, two, two, <laughs> first and second, two outs, Manny Machado's up. Give me Timmy Trumpet. That would be a mom- That would be a moment. 
That would, that, would be, that would be that would be insane. <laughs> if he came, if he was like he worked his way back and but and he's coming in to face Machado. <laughs> and you know, of course, we know Machado he's he gonna hit him with a pitch, and then he's gonna <laughs> walk <laughs> the next guy on four pitches, and then he'll get a pop out. Yeah, so say the, the one the one benefit the benefit he has as a reliever is he doesn't have to build up like a starter would. So it could be a you know, once he starts throwing, it could be a a, a shorter comeback time, uh, you know, maybe three weeks instead of five weeks or something like that, you know. So uh, no, that that would that would be a hell of a moment if uh, you know he comes in in the middle of a playoff game, makes his debut, and uh, you got the trumpets blaring and the uh, game on the line. Uh, I think Mets fans would sign up for that scenario right now. Oh yeah, dog just did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I I think we covered. I mean, I I I think we covered all that you could that you could want to cover for for the Mets. Now we'll we, and we did a little we did a little of the Fordham stuff kind of at the at the top of the show in a brief one there in the middle. But um, you know, Mike, you don't really get to talk about your Fordham stuff and your and your Fordham background and and like how you got here. And you've told the story on our on our show a couple of times. But, uh, you know, we all had these these same kind of influences and, you know, you've gone into it uh, as a as a full time career. You know, dog and I have swung back to it as, uh, you know, just doing the podcast stuff here on on the side. But uh, give people a little sense of, of, you know, how your your time at Fordham and some of these key relationships flipped you into uh, a career cover in baseball. Yeah, I mean, it was the, the big thing was, as you know, was WFUV get getting to do all we did at the radio station, doing the, the basketball games, the football, the, the one-on-one, the talk show. And um, that's, that's kind of what set me out on this course deciding, Hey, this is, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to report on sports and, you know, it ended up being print instead of uh, broadcast media, but there's a lot of the same principles involved. And uh, I look back on the, you know, those Marty Glickman days when he would sit sit in and listen to our tapes from uh, the football games, the basketball games. And, um, you know, th- those were special times because yeah. I, I had grown up and, you know, I didn't know Marty so much from his, you know, Knicks and Jets and Giants. But I had grown up in Connecticut listening. And he was the voice of UConn basketball when I was a kid, you know, the first yeah. UConn basketball games I listened to, uh, Marty Glickman was doing. So I knew who Marty was based on that. And to have him as a, a broadcast coach at, at Fordham, that, that was special. And then, uh, um, and you know, I look back now and the fact that I got to work with a guy like Chris Carino, who's, you know, 20 years in as the radio voice of the Brooklyn Nets, that's, that's something cool to be able to talk about, you know, and, First, the first basketball game I ever did was with Joe Rizzo, uh, driving down to uh, St. Joe's, St. Joseph's University, uh, December of nineteen ninety, if I recall correctly. Yep, Bernard Blunt drives uh, drives the whole length of the court and misses a layup at the end, and Fordham wins. Yeah, that was the first basketball game I ever uh, broadcast, and I had read somewhere. Um, Joe Lenardi from ESPN was uh, the, I'm trying to think. It was his first something 
that same game. Wow. I, I read that somewhere. And I said, wow, that was my first. It might, maybe he was doing the St. Joe's radio or, or something like that, but I, he had the the same first game. And I was like, wow, that's a, that's a coincidence. I did that game with Joe Rizzo. Um, <laughs> you know, but it, just so, you know, that experience coming out of Fordham, and it, was, it, it really sets you up going forward. And, uh, you know, I've been lucky. I've uh, uh, basically since uh, the time I graduated in 1992 to now, I've, I've worked in some form of media, whether it was uh, ESPN radio right out of college and then working at, uh, you know, the, the local newspaper up in Waterbury, Connecticut. And that's how I kind of got started on the uh, on the, the track uh, print journalism. It's been uh, a long and wonderful trip. Number three on Diamond Diehards is in the books. And we thank you again, Mike Puma, for uh, the trip down memory lane and the uh, unparalleled hour plus that you've given us to talk about the Mets and and your book. Riz, and every, Riz and calls us a quick hit, by the way. Yeah, there's a quick hit. Every, everything's a quick I begged, hit. I begged it for three years. Like, can we do a 20 minute show? Yeah. <laughs> Let's get a little teaser for people. Dog, I, I keep it under three hours. That's a quick hit. That's it. Run <laughs> over. Uh, so, what you need to do is so the first thing you need to do is if, if you're on Twitter and you don't follow Mike, you got to do that right away at nypost underscore Mets. The next thing you got to do is you got to uh, go get your subscription to the, to the premium stuff of the New York post, or if not, at least, at least check it out. Um, NY post online, you gotta, you gotta, but it's, it's definitely worth the, uh, the few extra bucks to get Mike's um, additional stuff in there. And of course, whatever holiday is coming up, if you need to get a book for somebody, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if they're a baseball fan, even if they're a sports fan, if you're even from the New York area, if these walls could talk, New York Mets stories from the New York Mets dugout locker room and press box. There, it's it's guaranteed you're gonna you're gonna like it. And whoever you give it to, even if you gave it to a Yankee fan, they'd be like, actually, this book was totally sick. Uh, this was a great book. Like I even I, I remember like I'm reading the parts about '98. I'm like, wow, I was so wrapped up in the Yankees and remembering about the Yankees in '98. I'm like, I forgot how that the, the Mets were crazy in '98. <laughs> 99 2000 like oh man it was it was great it was really great stuff and of course uh you got to follow the dog on twitter at jeff healy eight that's the number eight and to follow all the diamond diehard stuff if you're listening or watching you've made it this far hit the subscribe button or the follow button on whatever it is youtube rumble spotify uh apple Podcasts. those are those are the big you know three or four over there so uh Make sure you do that. And our Facebook group is really, really good. Facebook.com slash groups slash Diamond Diehards. Check us out over there if you haven't done it yet. Mike Puma, thank you so much for joining us once again. It was my pleasure, gentlemen. Okay. That is going to wrap it up as we get ready for the close of spring training and the start of the 2023 regular season for mike puma and the dog jeff healy this is joe rizzo diamond diehards is out 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.